Welcome along to the second episode of the Irish F1 show in association today with GRT Hire. Thanks a million to Ted Shotnessy for uh, coming along and uh, giving us a bit of sponsorship to get us up off the ground. GRT Hire are based in County Carlow. They have an office in Carlow itself, an office in Bidenstown. They'll hire you out basically anything. I wonder if they have defibrillators because, by God, our heart skipped a few beats with this Bahrain Grand Prix. What a weekend to start off. Serious tales to go through, I suppose. Loads of stories, loads of drama, and no better vocal to go through it with us than Mr. Richard Carney once more. How are you getting on, Richie? How are you going, Kevin? Um, like to thank GRT for their for the sponsorship. They're fair play to the lads over there. I know I'm fairly well. Um, yeah, defibrillators would have been needed there, especially it was very reminiscent of Bahrain at the end of last season, coming towards the end of that race. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I, I don't know what it is, but anytime there's a race in the Middle East, there is a drama, whether it's Abu Dhabi, whether it's Bahrain last weekend. We've Saudi Arabia next weekend, but like Saudi even last year, that threw up its fair share as well. So, um, yeah, we're not short of things to talk about, Richie, in fairness, which is great. Uh, the content is looking after itself. So, I don't know, where do we start? Like, where do we start? <laughs> oh, okay, this... You could start wherever you liked, really, because qualifying had its dramatics and it had its, you know, its surprises. And when I say surprises, I mean, like, teams that, to me, really underachieved in qualifying. And then you had your surprises, teams that, like, popped up down out of nowhere and, and, and stuck it well up the grid that we weren't really expecting, especially after pre-season testing. But, like, qualifying was mega... Then we move on to the race, and sure, that was pure mega. Yeah, it really was. And I suppose to touch on a couple of those drivers and teams that you have alluded to with regards to the qualifying in particular, like, you know, Bottas really showed up good and obviously did in the race as well. Russell P9. And do you know what? That's not a bad place to start, right? Because I saw a tweet yesterday, I think it was from Will Buxton, who said it was cheap in terms of people comparing what Russell had said last year about a Mercedes, basically should never really be qualifying in P9. And he said it was a cheap shot. Well, I'm not quite sure, Richie. Uh, is this is this kind of to do with the fact that maybe he's a Brit as well? Like, I took that as a bit of banter, personally. Yeah, I would have took it as a bit of banter as well. Listen, from, from all reports there, like, George made a serious setup change to his car between pre-season and or sorry, between testing on the Friday and going into qualifying, and to me, obviously, whatever he changed just didn't work. Um, hence P nine. Um, we all know where he finished up in the race on Lewis Cortel. So, um, no, I, I like that's not a cheap shot. Like that, that's that should have been taken as a bit of light banter. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised, and I'm not surprised at the same time because. You know, and I'll even delve in. And do you know what? We're in episode two, but we're not afraid to go into the, the hard topics here once we're within the letter of the law. But there are certain aspects of the coverage, Richie, with Sky Sports F1 that I wouldn't be overly comfortable and happy with. I think, you know, in my opinion, I just feel there is a slight bit of bias towards Hamilton. And occasionally, even go to the end of last year, do they forget for a second how good Christian Horner actually is to them with his time? Like, he was on the pit wall on one of the biggest races of his career and gave them all this information. And yeah, maybe it's just me. I just get the feeling there's still that hankering towards Hamilton and Russell and poor old Horner and Red Bull get a bit of a raw deal in comparison. Ah, I mean, they're dead right. Like, it's, it's, it's not just you. Like, I mean, 
sometimes I cringe when you watch the the F1. You know, the, the Sky F1. Like it's they are completely and utterly biased to Hamilton. There's no two ways about it. Every one of them. Like I mean, we I watched Ted's notebook after the formula after the race. Um, Sunday evening as well and he's still harping on about Abu Dhabi at the end of last season like I mean it's you know where there has to be a line drawn at some stage like and we got to fucking move on but no you're not wrong and it's not in your head they are to me I feel the very same it's certainly Lewis Lewis biased towards Lewis definitely yeah and look I'm just hoping that maybe we, we see a bit more balance I have to be hugely complimentary towards Martin Brundle. I've always thought he was a fantastic pundit. I still think he's a fantastic pundit. He calls it as he sees it. He's honest. As he said himself in a previous podcast, he delivers the information in bite-sized chunks, not a kind of a, you know, trying to absorb too much info. And and with that, I, I think he's brilliant. I don't know what you think of Martin, but I have fierce time for him. No, no, I like Martin. Um, I like his race analysis. I like his commentary. I, do, I, I love his commentary more so than any other aspect of the the Sky Sports F1 show. I think his commentary is brilliant. He's got a, he's the new Murray Walker as such. But um, I do feel too up and down. It can be, you know, when 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 something goes wrong, they're very quick to defend Lewis. You know, I just feel very quick to defend him. Um, you know what's really strange, Richie? Right, coming from Ireland, we're very quick as a nation to run down people, and even when we're doing well, we tend to actually stick the boot in. The Brits are actually polar opposite. Like maybe at times when they're doing bang average, I feel maybe they're overhyping a little bit. Ah, oh, look, they're the complete opposite to us. Us as Irish people will do our best to kick your neighbour while he's down. Um, they just can't blow their own up enough. Um, to to a degree where it come back, it does come back and bite them seven times out of ten. Like, but um. Oh, listen, I suppose it is what it is. Sky it is what it is, yeah. Sky, sky is what it is. And, and there is aspects, you know what, right? Let's put away a balance to it. Aside from some of the analysis and commentary, the actual footage itself and some of the insight you get is quite good, right? So let's give them, I suppose, a little bit of credit there that we're not just cutting the back off them all together. But we're here to call it as we see it. And that's the way this is going to work with a bit of lightheartedness, of course, as well. So yeah, 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 yeah. On, on race day, Richie, on race day, how about that titanic tussle between Leclerc and Verstappen? Like, I should really have the actual count, right? But at least four times, I think, they passed each other out in the space of a couple of laps. It was epic viewing. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, and what was nearly more refreshing after the race was that both guys commented on their tussle. Like, like no bitchiness, no... It was like, yeah, we had a good ding-dong. Sure, Charles came out on top. Um, Max had a few little excuses, but no, it was an epic battle, I have to say, an epic battle. And strangely enough, you know, in commentary and things, no one, there was no blame laid anywhere, or there was, it was just hard, tough racing with two of the best drivers in the world at the moment. And, and you know, it was actually brilliant to see, brilliant to watch. Um, but just to pity Leclerc, I, I, I actually thought Max, I was actually surprised that Max, in that tussle, in, in the two or three lap tussle, he kept making the same move. And to give Charles Leclerc the respect he deserves, he let 
like he he let Max buy knowing that the next uh, section of track was DRS on. Mm-hmm. So he knew like Max was going to come in steaming under brakes, probably missing apex, struggled to get back on his throttle. And Charles just sat there and said, listen, I'll just blast by him on the straight again. And sort of what happened, it just it surprised me with Max a little bit that he didn't try something somewhere else on the circuit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I suppose then to look at it from uh, the predictions point of view, and I suppose as the saying goes, if you throw enough shit at a wall, some of it is taken. A stop clock is right <laughs> twice a day, isn't it? But I did say Charles Leclerc would qualify on pole. I was delighted he did. And I did say in the end that would come down to uh, Leclerc and Verstappen, which is an easy call to make. I think I went with Verstappen in the end to actually take the victory. Didn't turn out that way for obvious reasons. Um, which brings us into this other talking point where Max has obviously flagged a problem about maybe 10 laps or so before it actually comes to a halt from his point of view. From, from Red Bull's outlook then, did they actually know that the problem was maybe a little bit more serious? Did they just gamble on it? Were they trying to keep him tuned in? You know, and I suppose, where where do they go from here? Because there's big talk about fuel pumps and fuel tanks and this, that and the other. Perez stopped on the very last lap. It was absolute heartbreak for Red Bull. Yeah, and I'm really surprised because they're one of the teams that you will put your house on for reliability. Um you know, I, I suppose it started with Max complaining about the steering. And um, Red Bull tried to put this cock and bull story out there. It was, oh, when they let the car down off the jacks, this problem occurred. Like, that's not... Like, that. that's the way Max was complaining about his steering. That's hydraulic or it's whatever mechanism runs the steering started to fail. Um, so, to me, that that's what went on with his steering there. But, yeah, um, to reckoning, like, with... with Perez's car and Max's car, both fuel pumps failed. And and bearing in mind with the new rules and regulations, the fuel pump now is an FIA. You have to use an FIA supplied fuel pump. All teams have to use it. So a standardized. So, um, standardized fuel pump, yeah. So, so that's a worry then, Richie, is it? It is a worry. It's a big worry, I'd say. All the rest of the teams and and the like the bigger worry is is um, seemingly that the pump is it's um, housed inside the fuel bladder, which is sort of makes it an absolute nightmare to try and service or replace. Um, not 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 a quick and simple job. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say all the other teams are having a serious look at it now throughout the week before next weekend. But you know, it's 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 very sad. Sad for a, a fan or sad for anyone to see. Like, we all know a fuel pump, like, you know, a couple of hundred quids worth of a part stops multi billion euro races. Like, you know what I mean? As regards mm. when you compare one to the other, like, mm. and are they as finicky? I suppose. I wonder, are they as finicky in an F1 car as they are in a road car? I remember I had a fuel pump problem one day and it was actually just a solenoid. You get the fist out and hit the thump. And the actual whole thing would release again, and the car moved on. Now I don't know if that uh, element of ignorance would uh, would get you over the line in F one, but um, look, I mean, time was, time was so precious. Max was obviously when that became a problem, there was no coming back from it. End of story. No. But like poor old Perez, though, like you're on the last lap, you're looking good, you're going to score good points, you're going to be on the podium, and then 
that happens. Like, talk about heartbreak. Ah, stop, stop. And I just, just go back to your earlier point. I don't think I've ever seen an F1 mechanic have a hammer in his hand, <laughs> never mind the toolbox. I, I don't think I've ever seen a hammer <laughs> on the floor of an F1 garage or, or a vice grip for that matter, like so, or, or a chisel. I've never seen any of those tools that we are so accustomed to in an F1 garage. Yeah, well, look, uh, a left a left hook to a fuel tank will sort a lot of problems out if people think <laughs> they have uh, solenoid issues, right? Maybe you wouldn't sort out of an F1 car. But, look, that's just tip of the iceberg stuff, I suppose, right? So it, it brings up a variety of other things which happen in Bahrain. So K-Mag, what about K-Mag? Like, you touched on him last week, and what a return for him? Oh, man, 14 months away from the sport. Thought he was retired from F1, like, dabbled in a bit of IndyCar and... I don't know, I maybe thought he was finished, but just, like, that was magnificent. Like, mm-hmm. a, like magnificent for Haas as a team, but just magnificent for Cam Agley. Because I, I did actually think him and Grosjean were, like, I was surprised they let the two of them go at the one time. Yeah. Um, fair enough, Grosjean has made a, a nice path for himself in America with IndyCar, but like, like I even... Talking to some of the lads, I was saying in pre-season testing, I was really surprised Haas didn't bring in some sort of experience to test the car because um, like Mick Schumacher is only learning and Mazepin barely knew how to put it in gear. So I mean, you know, they were never going to learn. Like, yeah. So like to see him back and to see him have that sort of an impact and you know score valuable points for Haas. Uh, I think you called that one. I think you said they were going to score points and fair play to you. Uh, did you expect them to be scoring as highly up? You know, I'd say maybe you were thinking they'll creep inside the top 10. But to go on yeah, and I did. top five, like... No, I did. To be honest with you, I, I knew, like, as as we spoke about the last day, it, 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 it should be... It's not a surprise, but it should be a surprise. Like, you know, the, the zero development over the last season and a half of their F1 car to concentrate on this new car. Um, and they definitely would have, like, believe it or not. And I know I'm not, I'm not going on about Mazepin all the time, but it was actually it's a blessing in disguise for Haas that they managed to get K-Mag back mm-hmm. with his experience and his, you know, like Jesus to stick that thing in the in the top five in the in the Grand Prix. Like, what are, that's as good as a win to Haas, like you know, financially and psychologically. Yeah, and then let's talk about Valtteri Bottas, right? Because, you know, maybe we were a little unfair on him last week, right? And I think in the sense that we, we were probably comparing him to Russell, and it is a like-for-like like comparison because one replaced the other. Did we maybe underestimate the fact that Bottas is now actually leading a team, albeit, you know, it would seem not as powerful, or at least we thought not as powerful as Mercedes, but the fact that the pressure is off, he is now probably the main man. He was always the wingman. Has that kind of played to his advantage? And is that one of the reasons why he finished sixth? Yes and no. Yes, he, obviously, yeah. Being the lead man in the team, he's, he's, his um, teammates are rookie. Um, you know, there's that standing, you know, standing up to the player element. Um I do. I, I'm not going to call Alfa Romeo's or Val, Valtteri Bottas result a fluke. It wasn't a fluke. He he qualified where he qualified. Now he made an, an awful start to the race, but to his credit, he got himself back where he did to finish. 
Like, you know, P6 finish for Bot- for Bottas. You know, I lined up lined up alongside his all teammate, like in, in a Mercedes after qualifying. So um I don't know. I I sort of say watch this space more, give it give it a little now. Yeah, and listen. All the Ferrari power teams at the moment seem to be, you know, they're all firing on all cylinders, and mm. and the Mercedes power teams seem to be heading backwards a little bit. But um, I'm hoping, like, like I just be a Valtteri Bottas fan, good, good guy, good. I just felt he over the years with Mercedes, he just fucking he lay back and took it too much. Like, you know, he should have, in my eyes, manned up a bit and demanded a bit more for himself in the team, but. And when we're at it, actually, and I mean this in the physical sense, if he, if George Russell had done what he did to Bottas, if he did that to me or you, Richie, we'd have the head taken off. And that's not saying that we're the, the Hardy boys are at oh. now, WWE. But like for right. a little lad to come over and tap you in the head and lay blame on you for a crash that was blatantly the other lad's fault, uh, he was lucky to come away with a full set of teeth there, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. Like, Valtteri, like, that. Like that, you know, way way too quiet. Like I'd have been out of the car, I'd have had him in bits in about twenty seconds flat. You know, like and imagine like he he was still rookie per se in one of the slower teams, one of the slowest teams. And 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 I wouldn't mind like it. It actually, it don't. It wasn't Valtteri's fault that accident, but um. Yeah, no and way. It wasn't, and that's no the way. thing. So how how we actually thought it was Valtteri's fault at all? That that was it. And then to go over and like, oh, I don't know. It, it was crazy. But anyway, look, that that's that's last year. That's that's gone. Russell did not get on the podium. I thought he might. Um, yeah, you know, he didn't qualify well. Ferrari won too. Is is how it finished up. Obviously, with Leclerc and Sainz second. Uh, I want to give a shout out to WLR Waterford Local Radio as well. And Nigel, he had us on on Saturday. Richie, nice bit of exposure for. The Irish F1 show already, and um, well, was, it was did... brilliant, Kevin. It was great to hear you. It was, you know, you know, great to hear the interview, and you know, that's all that helps. And fair play to you and your connections for that. Yeah, well, look, I I'll be upright and straight. I did not look for that interview. They did come and contact us, which is fantastic in the first week for the Irish F1 show. So absolutely delighted to to have that, and always happy to speak on any of those radio stations for anyone that's listening to give a bit of exposure to the Irish F1 show. While we're at it, thanks to the RT Hire as well for sponsoring tonight. So, yeah, going back to the Ferrari one too, what I said, Richie, the other day on the radio was that I felt both Leclerc and Science are going to win races. Obviously, we know Leclerc has won the other day, but I would not be surprised if Science goes on and wins next weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if these guys are going toe-to-toe. I don't think Science is going to be second fiddle here. By any stretch of the imagination, or maybe you've different thoughts. Um, yes and no. As in, I don't think Saints like his comments after the race. He was like, he was a disappointed man for someone that finished second in a Grand Prix. Um, he sort of felt the weekend didn't go the way he wanted, but he was he was assured that he will be back. So, and like that, I can see. Carlos Sainz will, will win races. There's not a doubt in the world about that. But I do think Ferrari will prioritise Charles. Because be honest, of the protege factor, yeah. Yeah, yeah and possibly. plus he's leading the championship at the moment. So once, once Charles can keep his nose in front of Carlos, he's going to get... He's going to be... 
that all the, the, the decisions and everything will go his way. Like, and Carlos will have to just take it on the chin. But if Carlos can sneak his nose in front, I don't know if it'll make much of a difference or not either. But, hmm. um, but you said it last week, Carlos, serious talent, absolute serious talent. And it's, it's a sort of, it's, it's like Hamilton and Bottas there now at the moment with the two of them. Only I don't think, I can't see Science lying down like Bottas did. Yeah. Yeah. But Science is probably like, I would say just in terms of talent, I think they're more in even keel anyway. Do you know what? Um, but anyway, look, that's, we, we've kind of touched on that in the past week. So maybe, maybe we'll, yeah. we'll move on, right? Because we're conscious of time and stuff. McLaren, let's talk about McLaren. So from, from reading various reports, Richie, it seems that McLaren have tried to make changes to their engine in order to, you know, get that little bit more bang for their buck in terms of power. Have they compromised reliability? And what has led to this dismal showing that we've seen so far? Oh, it's, it's like the old cliche, you go well in pre-season and you turn up to race and it just goes horribly wrong. Um, to be to be honest with you, Kev, I haven't heard of them um, changing too much engine-wise, but it's a, it's a Mercedes-powered car. And listening to Toso and, and from what I could see looking at the Mercedes, um, just to put it into in, into prospect like when you look at the Ferrari and you look at the Haas and you look at the Alfa Romeo they're very very similar chassis very very similar um, aerodynamic aerodynamic styling and the same the same has to be said for the Merck run cars and to me that McLaren is just an unbelievably badly aerodynamically efficient car at the moment like maybe they changed they tried a few aerodynamic changes before race weekend but even the Mercedes itself it's just it's one of the draggiest cars out there like I don't think Mercedes don't have an engine problem they have an aer- an aerodynamic problem like it, the, the drag resistance that that car is, is causing is, is what's holding them back I think it was something like 14 kilometres an hour between the Mercedes and the Red Bull the Red Bull's fastest car in the straight line followed by Ferrari um, as far as I know but Aerodynamically, I think, more so than engine, is McLaren's problem at the moment. The same with Mercedes, the same with the other Merck-powered cars. They're, um, they're just not efficient through the air at the moment. Can I read out a quote here from, from Lewis Hamilton, who, who finished third, right? And tell me tell me how, how you see this in terms of, uh, is it being sincere or is there something else to it, right? So, a big, big congratulations to Ferrari. I'm so happy to see them doing well again. They are such a historic and epic team. Richie, I don't know about you, right? But if I had a rival at all, and it, didn't, it wouldn't really matter. Uh, if, they, if they'd gone away for a couple of years and they'd come back and they were after doing better than I was, I don't think I'd be coming out and saying that, would I? Not unless you want to put your arse in their seat. Oh, okay. I've never thought of it that way. Of course, that's about the only explanation I could have. Why would you give your rivals kudos like that, like? Hmm. I mean, you might say well done, but like it's it was very, yeah, he was, he was being very nice about it, wasn't he? Yeah, too nice to a point because that's that's not his farm either. Like he's, you know, not that he wouldn't come out and criticize other teams, but he's always very quick to point out his own problems and what went wrong with him. 
I was actually taken aback by that myself. Like, he was so complimentary to Ferrari. Now, maybe, listen, two of us could be wrong. He could have been just, listen, Ferrari is an iconic, longest-running Formula One team on the grid. Maybe he was just being nice. Mm. Maybe so. Who knows, is you? Who knows? So, any other last kind of takeaways from Bahrain before we move on to our predictions with the Saudi? Um, just... Um, the other newcomer for Alpha, uh, uh, Joe Guan Yu. Our friend Guan Yu, Joe, yeah. Uh, finished 10th, top, very good result, serious result um, for his first Grand Prix. Obviously, Mick Schumacher in 11th, great result for him. Really sorry, he was in the points up to about two laps to go. Um, re- just tipping again, really disappointed with McLaren, um, 14th and 15th. But Ricardo finishing 14th, Norris 15th. Um, Ocon had a great race, finished 7th, well in the points. Alonso 9th in the points. Uh, Sonoda had a good race, finished 8th. And should we know the rest of it after that? You know, Magnussen, brilliant. And just even, listen, because I do sound like I'm 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 anti-Lewis Hamilton, but I'm not anti-Lewis Hamilton. Like, I'm just looking at the results here. Like, you know, Lewis Hamilton, the finish P3 in the car he was in, um, seven-time world champion or not, that's fair going. Like, he had to get himself into that position to be there to strike in case something happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let it be luck. Say what you like. But he still had to have himself in that position. Like, people will say, yes, it is luck because the two boys went out for stopping in Paris. But I agree wholeheartedly with you. And I think what is very underestimated, and maybe we don't talk about it enough, is just how smooth his style is. And he's always there, thereabouts, solid. And and people would have used it, actually, with Craig Breen in a rallying sense. Slowly, slowly, catchy, monkey is the whole phrase. And you take yes. your time, and you get there, and you get your results. Like, solid, solid if not spectacular, I suppose, is probably the way you want to put it. Yeah, yeah, like you watch Lewis's on boards, like it's it's like he's sitting on a on a rocking boat, like it's it, do you know what I mean? With, with the porpoising that we never really touched on either. Do, do you know the new this new aerodynamic fucking that has drove the cars mad since we've gone back with ground effect? But um you watch any of Hamilton's on boards of that race, like for him to get his car to even to be in that position, and Russell included as well. Like, you know, you have to hand it to him as well at the same time. You know, as a driver, he, mm. you know, he's world-class. He's world-class. Like like I said, I don't want to come across as a Hamilton hater. I'm not a Hamilton hater. I don't like what he does outside the, uh, of Formula One. I don't like the way he dresses. I don't like the way he conducts himself. But that that's his own business. But as a racing driver, you know, he is world-class. Yeah, he's a world-class driver. There's no taking away from him whatsoever. And... Yeah, I think that's a, that's a no-brainer. You don't win seven world titles without having a little bit about you, as you. But um, in terms of the predictions which we've touched on, um, I think the only thing that was correct was getting Leclerc on pole. Uh, I think my podium trio was Max to win, uh, then Leclerc and Russell. I can't remember what your trio was, but I don't think it was along those lines either, was it? was. I had um, Leclerc to get Paul, and then I had Max to win it. Leclerc second with Russell in third. Right, yeah, yeah. So we were, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Let's said about the better thing. <laughs> let's move on. Yeah. To, let's move on yeah. to, to 
the Saudi then, right? So again, we, we touched upon it. We, we did see plenty of drama in this one last year. Um, let's let's move on and let's put our kind of shoulder to the wheel. Let's put our necks on the chopping block, whichever cliche you want to use. Let's do it again. So right. uh, with, with regards to form, obviously Ferrari very much in form. With regards to, you know, can, can Red Bull get that right in the space of a week? Can all the teams avoid the issue? If it is a standardized part, that is the big question. Can everyone get it sorted in the space of a week from the FAA's point of view or whatever? Is this a problem? Is it a big problem? Is it no problem? You know, there's lots of question marks which seems to be out of the control of, of teams to an extent. But with regards to controlling the controllables, um, obviously it would seem that uh, the two best cars still out there, like Ferrari and Red Bull. Yeah. Pretty yeah, straightforward. So, um, like, how much improving can Mercedes do in a week? That's a question mark. Can we see the likes of K-Mag and Bottas still pulling up trees? Um, what are we going to look at? So, look, I'll put out my neck in the top block. Uh, I fancy the clerk again with that bit of momentum now and confidence to, to push on and go on uh, and take pole. Um, I still think Max, I'm going to go with Max again. I think he's going to bounce back. I'd say he'll have the bit between his teeth and he will be bowling over last weekend. I'm going to go Max Leclerc Science. Now, step up to the plate, Mr. Carney. Max Leclerc. That's your going. So Leclerc for Paul. And Leclerc then for Paul. And then race day, Max, Max Leclerc Science. Right. I'm going to throw a cat amongst the pigeons here because I know for a fact um, Max and Christian and Red Bull are not going to take this lying down. So I'm going to go Leclerc for, or Max for Paul. Mm-hmm. Max to win right Carlos Sainz to finish second and Leclerc to finish third very good very good love it absolutely love it uh, for any of the listeners out there uh, the podcast is now on Apple as well it took a few days for approval but if you have your predictions and you are listening in by all means tweet us at Irish F1 show we're on Facebook as well comment underneath the post we're also on Instagram, so give us a follow. Tell your friends about it. And if you are on Apple Podcasts or Spotify listening to this, hit the five stars, give us a rating, get us up the leaderboard, get us off the ground. We'll do our bit. Hopefully you can do your bit as well. Richard, any last thoughts? Uh, no, I'm just really enjoying this podcast with you, Kev. Um, sort of a first for me, doing podcasts and things, really enjoying it. Um, like you said, we could just get people out there to start liking, sharing, talking about it. And as Kev said, get us up the leaderboard. That'd be great. Big thanks to GRT again. Um, big thanks to Waterford Radio for having you on, Kev, for the interview. Um, and that's it. Like, you know, hopefully we can make a bit of a thing out of this and, and not just a one-year wonder. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll do everything in our power to keep this going and keep it going strong. As Richard said, thanks to GRT. Higher they are. Based in County Carroll, they have an office in Carlow Town itself. They have an office out in Bidenstown. Ted O'Shaughnessy is the man looking after that from the GRT point of view. So thanks very much to Ted. Them boys will hire you out anything you want in terms of equipment. or better vocals and great customer service as well. So thanks to GRT Hire, our sponsors. Richard, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. One more shout out goes to Bless, the Irish band, who have kindly given us permission to use their intro and outro music. An absolute builder, I have to say. Richard Carney, until next time, and all our listeners, take care. Good to chat to you.